share love. Yeah, it kind of even goes back to what we were talking about yesterday about um, how can you minister to somebody if you don't have that relationship with Christ? You know, you can kind of somewhat, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, ties it all together almost, at least for me. And um, Because you do have that, you know, if you don't, how effective are you going to be? I like what you both said about the question thing, because I think that that really is true, that he didn't just say, you have encouragement in Christ. He said, if you have any encouragement, which is requiring them to think, like, do I? And then it's like, oh, I do, and I've been taking it for granted. Like, I think that's actually a really important point. Yeah. I think you have to, like you said, you have to realize that they were taking it for granted. You know, they weren't seeing it.
Christians in Philippi and all the believers, right? Well, not everybody is on the same accord. That's why we have different doctrines now. Not everybody, everybody still loves Jesus and loves God. We're not on the same accord in some areas, you know? He's encouraging everybody so that when the time comes, when it's the right timing, God's timing, or right situation, um, then he can go and say, look, you know what, I said this back then, I was talking generally, and you heard me, and you read it, and you know it, and you, I said it to everybody. But now I want to talk to specifically to you about this specific situation. You know, and refer back to what he's already said again. You know? I think a lot of it's preventative medicine, too. I think Paul does a lot of teaching that way. Of These two ladies, we know there's already an issue, but for the rest of you, let's remember why we're here. Let's remember why we're worshiping together so you don't go down that path. In, a, in chapter 1, um, Paul talks about, you know, that he obviously he's writing to the church with the overseers and the deacons, so we know he's writing to believers. And in verse 10, it says that he's writing so you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, to the glory and praise of God. And I think that kind of is a precursor to this. Um, you said that was verse 10? Uh, yes, 10 and 11 mm -hmm. in chapter 1. Oh, in chapter 1. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's yeah, I was like, mine says something different. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's kind of saying, okay, let's let's weed things out here. What's pure, what's blameless, because Christ is coming back. He's reminding them of that. Um, and let's remember we're doing everything to the glory and praise of God. And then, um, you know, then he goes into the persecution that he's been through. And he's saying, hey, I've been through all of this, and I'm still willing to... Um, to serve the Lord, and I'm still willing to, you know, remember all of the blessings. So you guys, um, you need to remember that too. Like I just think it's, he's just reminding us, Christ is coming back. We're doing it all for the glory of God. Let's really put keep the main thing, the main thing, you know. And then if he's going to deal with this as as a church issue, I mean, imagine getting a letter from, I don't know, Jerry Falwell with you know. And, and by the way, Annie and Sarah, um, you're having a problem here. You know, I mean, I think that that was probably a just a bigger problem, and he didn't want that to infiltrate, kind of like what Dr. Kramer said earlier about, you know, there's the door. And I know it didn't go that far, but, um, you know, he wanted to make sure that it was addressed, and it takes a lot of boldness. So he was laying the foundation to, you know, tell everybody, just remind them of the love of what Christ has done and why he's going to end up going down this road of addressing individuals. Paul doesn't mind being bold. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he understands his purpose, you know, his uh, ultimate sanctification, you know, getting as close to being glorified before you die. Um, and, you know, running the race to win, as Dr. Kramer um, That's, you know, that's his goal in life. And in doing that, he wants to train every believer to do the same thing. Um, and, and that purpose is always in his back of his mind. Um, so he doesn't mind calling people out. He called Peter out um, when he was wrong. In the purpose of correcting them and bringing them back in a proper relationship with Christ. Not to call them out to make fun of them, not to gossip about them, but um, with the purpose of 
making an example sometimes so that others don't follow yes. the same footsteps. I have like a question, like it's a sidetrack, but what was the, um, I have, I looked at two different translations and they had two different titles for this passage and I was just curious to see what you guys had as your titles because I, I thought, my, one of my titles was, um, oh gosh, it was Unity Through Humility and then the other one I had was um, imitating Christ's humility and I thought it was kind of interesting because there is kind of a difference there in saying what the passage is about. Mine actually might help clarify that this is Christ's example of humility. Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah, I feel like that might bridge it together a little. I saying, so. saying that, you know, yes, we've got the humility, the unity that we need to have, but I mean, to go a step further, it's Christ's example to us, so. Yeah, okay. I, I simplified one body, one mind, myself. But I have unity through humility in the Bible. Why so. well, this is uh, a Christ-like mind uh, attitude? Huh? Christ-like attitude. So it doesn't even have the word humility. It says have the attitude of Christ in one of them, and the other one says imita imitating Christ's humility. Um, I I did as a uh, kind of a theme to the message message as we read through the whole section, um, and we'll get to this later, is humble yourself to God so that he can use you. Because um, Jesus had to humble himself to the cross so that God could exalt him. The subject heads, they're not written by Paul, right? Those no. are written by the truth. men. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Inspired. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you know, that's a good point because there's no verse numbers either because it was a letter. Yeah. So, you know, men put those in also. So it was really good what Brian did as far as pulling it together because Paul didn't write it in chapter form. You know, he was just yeah. writing a letter. <laughs> he didn't write subject heads. Yeah. And even, even wording. Some, somewhat word interpretation because writing was done um, with no breaks, no periods, no anything like that. So when they read it, they had to interpret the Bible as, you know, my joy. There was no space between that. So they had to figure out that it said my joy. So we did, in my undergrad, we did some things uh, with English words where the words ran together. And if you took these three letters and put them together, and these four, it made a word, two words. But if you took the first two and the last five, that made two different words. So it could get confusing when reading the Greek. So we're blessed to have a very systematic language. Yeah. I was just curious because it's, it's just, um, I just thought, depending on what it said, it kind of set a different tone for what you were thinking the overall passage would be. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question. You read it, and then you go into it thinking, so I'm going to read off that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember doing that as a teenager. I would look through my Bible to find something that would, like these headings that would apply yeah. to my life, rather than going chapter by chapter. Yeah. It's interesting, the word used, too. That's why I really enjoyed looking at the different words, because just 
you know, some Bibles may use one word and some use another, and I think that sometimes there's a big difference between them, and it's just interesting to see what that difference leads to the text. So. I liked the fact that he used if, and I know we kept, we touched on it earlier, but I just like the way that he was really opening their minds to saying, um, you know, if, if you, um, it, because if is kind of a conditional word, so he's opening the door for them because they could turn around and say, well, we haven't received fellowship, we haven't received this and that. So, um, but he's asking them if, you know, if these things have occurred, that they would live in unity. And I think that's one of the differences um, in the New Testament and the Old Testament. He's not saying, you have been given these things, so this is what you must do. He's, he's um, you know, what's the word? In the Old Testament, they give commands. In the New Testament, they give, um, it's not suggestions. But, you know, there's another word. I, I just went blank. Uh, well, as I was reading it, imperative verbs are coming up. Yes. Um, but it's the warning kind of side of it. Mm-hmm.
and I think that helps give his direction better insight because he's not just like, you know how it is. Yeah. So, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. No, but they don't give you any alternative of how to respond. <laughs> and he does offer that alternative. Yeah. So you can start to push your thinking in a new direction. Mine yeah. um, says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. And I think that it's just so powerful. So, like, with going from what we have talked about in one and two, with the love and just like the outpouring of um, love for, for Christ that he has, that he wants to tell people about it so much. But at the same time, he needs, he, he's telling them, okay, this is serious business, lovey, lovey. Well, okay, we got to be serious now here. Don't do this. This is how you know you become successful at it, or you know, or or fail at it. Not necessarily fail, but you know what I mean. Like that's like, don't be selfish because God doesn't want you to be like that. You know. Um, yeah. I think uh, I, I look at the importance. The words have totally changed an idea a lot, and. Um, he says there, humility of mind. Not just humility, but of mind. Uh, and I, I really meditated on that, thought about why does why did he put of mind there? And I came to it's a conscious choice that you have to make. It's not just something, you know, there's the fruit of the spirit, and those are things as you grow in Christ that are just going to manifest themselves. Um, and humility might kind of. But it's also something you're going to have to consciously choose because you have fleshly desires. And you want, your body wants to fulfill those. Um, you want your agendas pushed. You want your ideas put up there. Um, but you have to consciously choose to um, regard the other person more importantly. And that's the second part there. It's more important than you. You, know, you have to choose to regard them more not just live your life and um, expect to give fruit that you're going to be humble. One of the neat, the neat application points that I got from this, you know, when you read things like, don't do anything from rival reader to see, well, then you read that and you automatically think, well, I've never, I don't, I don't do those things. I try to not do those. But then to see where he says in verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. So not necessarily, you know, maybe we are consciously avoiding things like, you know, having rivalries and conceit, but are you then going the other end and automatically looking to other people's interests? Not just stopping those little bad behaviors on your part, but are you doing the good behaviors too? And that was something that really got me pondering in terms of how do I do that? Yes, in my daily interactions, I'm conscious to not be, you know, conceited or something like that. But do I do that flip side? Well, I wrote down the translation out of the message, and I think this goes perfectly with what you just said, Becky. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. That one, that one really hit me. I don't, the message isn't necessarily my favorite, but that one that I just, it's like very real yeah. to this day and age. I think that's really good, because I think we're really quick to assume, well, I don't do those, you know, those ten commandment things that are wrong. 
I know. You know, like we assume, I'm, I'm conscious to not do that, but do we do the good thing then? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I like that, because um, I don't have, in, in my verse, it doesn't say, um, say humility, mind, is that what it said? Yeah. But the verse before that, it talked about being like-minded in mind, and I thought that was really important, because it wasn't just, yeah, what are your actions, it was, What's going on in your head? Are you thinking bad thoughts? And you know, are you hating somebody in your head and just not expressing it? Because that's mm -hmm. just as bad. I thought that was really important. Those are the things.